Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burdens of motherhood. I'm Emily. I'm Beth, and we're your hosts. We hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms blog production. Episode 16, Teaching Children About Diversity. Today's episode of Mom Fashions is brought to you by the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. From the Midway to the Animal Barns and the professional showings and rodeos, you can enjoy daily activities for all ages, January 17th through February 8th, 2020. Welcome to Mom Fashions. I am Emily, and I'm hanging out with my co-host and good friend, Beth. Hey, hey. Hello. And today I have talked her into chatting about a discussion, a topic that is kind of near and dear to my heart, teaching kids about diversity. So I am about as white as they come, very mm-hmm. fair, skinned, um, and all of the things that come with that. And when I was growing up, I don't think my parents and I really ever had any conscious discussion about diversity or our country's history with like racial tensions and those types of things. It just wasn't ever like something that we talked about. And I think I just picked up a lot of my ideas and cues from just like social environment, you know, how you kind of like just sort of know these things, but no one has ever actually said them to you as a child. And Mm -hmm. also kind of just like what I learned about it in school. So whenever it came time for me to have kids and then my family becomes a transracial family, I knew that I had to just be way more educated and way more thoughtful. And I'm kind of going like blindly into this because I don't have a frame of reference. I'll go ahead and be up front and kind of give like a disclaimer that we're going to talk about diversity in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. But because my own experience is being like two white parents, um, raising two wonderful brown skinned girls, that's just going to be what I'm going to talk about because it's what I know. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> in the airwaves before we really dive in. So, yeah. so what about you growing up? Was this something you talked about? Well, I remember in school, specifically probably middle school age, doing the sections in history on slavery and on the civil rights movement and being just very intrigued by it. And I mean, I remember every time we chose a topic, that's what I would choose. Something civil rights, you know, Harriet Tubman, the Underground Railroad, things like that, where it was it was intriguing to me, but it was also something that seemed so far removed from the life that I was living. The school I was in was not very diverse. The churches that I went to growing up were never diverse. And so it always just seemed like this great injustice that had happened, but it never it never seemed like real and something that was happening regularly. And so 
I was aware of it, but it wasn't until much later in life that I realized that people are still living with these things today right. and how that affects everyday life, how it affects our world, how it affects our children. I, too, am white, upper middle class, living in this this kind of privilege bubble that I haven't had to think about certain things, you know. In marrying my husband, um, his mom is from Thailand. His dad is Chinese and Portuguese. Their family has a lot of um, really cool, like, cultural traditions and mixtures and things. Even hearing stories about his childhood um, growing up as an Asian boy in a very white community and, you know, little things like bringing sushi for lunch and everybody else had Lunchables and he would just want that. It's still something that is like, those are just things I've never had to think about. Right. You know, and so I think I'm coming to a point in my life where it's like, these are things that I need to talk about and my kids need to know more than just let's do a report on something that happened historically, but let's integrate this. Let's make this a part of our everyday so that it's not so outside of our day-to-day life. Right. Well, first I want to say that when I was growing up in school and we had opportunities to pick topics, I always tend to pick topics about assassins. And so I don't know what that (laughs) says about me and then what it says about you that you're picking, you know, like civil rights issues. So I I did multiple projects on John Wilkes Booth. And oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I feel guilty <laughs> confessing this for some reason. What did my teachers think? Right, yeah. No. There's the assassin, <laughs> Emily. Okay, so I'm going to sort of jump into some things that I have learned. And it's it's been a big evolution for me as um, my, my eyes really became wider and wider to really like the lack of representation for mm-hmm. people who uh, don't have white skin. Yeah. And I really cared a whole heck of a lot more about it because, you know, two of the people I love most in the world don't have white skin. So these are some things that I have done, not only to try to support my own children, teach them, love them, support them, but also to try to create a world that is around them that can hopefully change and and do some of the same. Mm -hmm. So we do, yes, we um, talk about the past. It's really different. Like bringing up and introducing the topic of slavery and uh, segregation and present-day still oppression and Mm systematic racism, all those things are really different. Explaining that to your black love bug Mm -hmm. than explaining it to a white kid. I mean, you have to have age-appropriate conversations, right? I'm not getting out my two-year-old and we're having a primer on slavery, (laughs) the slave trade, like the Pan-American, you know, like we don't get into all that, right? But kindergarten was really a time whenever I started being more intentional about this because I knew my kiddo was going to hear stuff in school, right? Mm -hmm. It was going to start to be introduced. And so it was really like around the Christmas break 
whenever we started making attempts to talk about slavery, because I wanted her to hear it from us first before she was just sitting there in her kindergarten class, like shocked out of her mind, you know, and Martin Luther King Day and then Black History Month, all that stuff was coming. And so we use books are a great way. I think lots of people utilize that are a great way to introduce really hard topics Mm -hmm. in to kids. And we've done that and we've built upon our um, book collection as she has grown. But you kind of have to also think about the narrative of the story that Mm -hmm. we have been taught and told Mm -hmm. in schools and even in our books. It's not really oftentimes the whole story. Yeah. So even like when you think about Thanksgiving Think about it if you are a little black girl in class, right? We just say we celebrate Thanksgiving and we tell the Thanksgiving story. And this is how we were brave and sought asylum from religious persecution. We came and conquered a new land and had a really nice lunch with Native Americans. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, one, it isn't really an accurate story of the relationship between the uh, Europeans and the Native Americans, yeah. right? Like, yes, true. Like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But then where does she fit at this table, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. She didn't have a seat at this table. Like, we say, oh, mm-hmm. this is like how, Amer- how you came to the country. This is what it means to be American. You came this way. That's really only true for Anglos, yeah. right, Europeans. Yeah. Um, She was brought to the table, you know, like if we follow the very generalized stereotypes, Mm -hmm. like as a slave, right? Mm -hmm. She wasn't even at the table. And so the whole narrative of Thanksgiving is already really like divisive, right? And and not a depiction of what it means to be an American. I've never thought about the narrative of Thanksgiving to that extent. Being able to have those conversations with my daughter, it is hard to know how much conversation to have about those things, but also you want them to have a realistic view. Right. Mm-hmm. And you want them to understand the world um, through the eyes of people that don't look like them and maybe aren't raised like them, you know. Mm-hmm. You need to kind of like monitor what your school lessons are, are going to, your kids are hearing. Mm-hmm. And I have found so far in doing this for what, four or five years, the teachers are really weirded out by it. They often think I want to change something. I'm mad about something. I want to, them to alter the curriculum. A lot of times they get kind of defensive on me. Like, I don't know that they've ever had a, a mother come to them and say, I just want to know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Like, just tell me what you're, what are you introducing new about Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. after the break? What are what parts of the story are you covering in Black History Month? Like I want to, I just want you to give me a heads up because at home I want to support, mm-hmm. you know, like what you're teaching. But maybe I want to fill in some of the blanks, right? Yeah. Maybe I want to be more sensitive to my black children and know that there are different angles to talk mm-hmm. about. Like be kind of invested in figuring out. Like, what narrative is actually being taught? Yeah, and let's be honest. Our kids aren't coming home and just offering up information about their day. What did you do today? Nothing. Nothing. It was good. Thanks, Mom. I don't want to talk. Yeah. 
Well, and so if you have a heads up about this is what she's learning, these are the stories that she's being told, then you can come in, fill in those blanks, but you can also draw out those things that are might be turning around inside right. of her that she doesn't realize yeah. how she's processing them. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Okay, so you were talking about books. Yes, we do a lot of books. Yes. So can we put some of those books in our show notes for our listeners to be yeah, able I'll, to access? Yes, I will definitely okay. list some of our – I'll list on like two different types of books. One book, section of books, would be more like historical books and – um, I can just give you a list of what we've used. Of course, we only have elementary age kids, so I haven't gone beyond that um, kind of level. And I'll kind of explain a little bit about why I chose certain ones. Mm-hmm. Also, I can throw in, and I'll talk about this in just a second, about having books that feature different people. The books in your library need to have a variety of types of people depicted in the pictures in the storyline, but I'll get to that in a minute. Still talking on the theme of, like, understanding the past and the story and what has happened and how it impacts today. Also looking at different holidays that are actually celebrated in this country Mm -hmm. and kind of incorporating that into You don't necessarily even have to celebrate them, but you can discuss them. You can look at all the different festivals or parties and parades and things that might happen around those holidays. Those are really fun ways. It's a celebration, you know, like it's a fun way to talk about. There are so many different cultural ideologies and perspectives on life in our one country alone. Like, let's not pretend that there's just one and ignore all the rest. I love that idea. We personally, because of the dynamic of our family, um, my girls go to be with their grandparents for Chinese New Year. Yeah, that's great. You know, and they do a big celebration and they feed the dragons money and they do mm-hmm. the whole thing. Um, and so that's a way that we're trying to connect them to um, to their like culture that's celebrated regularly. But I think it would be neat just to pull holidays from all cultures and try to do something throughout the year just to teach them about it. Because I know for my girls, their classes alone are diverse in, um, you know, religion and right. and even languages that are spoken. And so it would be neat for them to be able to learn about just the people around them. Right. Yeah. Let's pause for a minute and hear from one of our sponsors. Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo is an event for any family, no matter if you live near or far. Your kiddos can see all sorts of animals in the children's barnyard or in the mattress firm petting zoo. The Milking Parlor, which is open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily, lets your family see how milk gets from the cow to the cup. Planet Agriculture opens doors to the world of farming and ranching, such as leather crafting, hand-spinning wool, nutrition, and other topics. And don't forget to snag tickets for one of the many amazing rodeos. One of the biggest shocks for me whenever I welcomed my oldest daughter home happened in a target aisle because I wanted to be the first one to buy her a baby doll. And I went and I was looking for a soft baby doll that had brown skin. And I did not find it at Target. And then literally it was like, (laughs) it was kind of like one of those moments like where like the 
the light shines down from heaven. A veil has been lifted, and you hear music singing, and as I walked up and down the aisles, I realized that I could have counted the brown-skinned dolls, or books, or action figures, or whatever, on one hand, Mm. like aisle after aisle, and I was like, okay, all right, that's different. That's never occurred to me before, because when I went down the Barbie doll aisle as a little girl... I had 40 dolls looking back at me that I could choose from and... That looked just like you. That looked just like me. I mean, granite, I don't have blonde hair, and my boobs weren't that big. But you know what I'm saying. Or your waist that unimaginably small. Yes. Yes. My my waist was not a (laughs) one-inch circumference. Yeah, which is probably good. Like, I want my girls to have toys and books and movies and clothing so that she could just see herself in that. I mean, like, that's important because what that does, whether it is on the toy aisle or it's the decor that is in your school classroom or, like, whatever, the ads that are on TV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is that she, my daughter, sees that white is normal. It is not only that it is hurtful and damaging to my daughter to repeatedly see only white kids represented in play and clothing, but it's really actually damaging to the white kids too. Yeah, I agree. So I think that if you want to teach your kids about diversity and if you want to make a positive impact on changing just this divide that we have in our country. For the next generation, the best thing you can do is not listen to TED Talks, not have some like super serious once-a-year conversation about slavery and civil rights and all these things. The best thing that you could do as a mom is to buy your daughter a black baby doll. Because if the things that we play with are diverse Mm -hmm. and the things the books that we read are diverse and the movies that we show them like are diverse like and demand that diversity in the products that they're selling then it helps children to bump up against and refuse the notion that we're not all equal we're all different but we're all equal we're the same. There, There is no caste system. There is no, there shouldn't be, you know, there is yeah. no like levels of value. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all valuable. And kind of that also like knocks against the notion which has been so detrimental to people of color of saying that color doesn't matter. Let's not see color. Let's just see people. Mm. Well, part of people is their color. Don't just have white Barbies for your girls. Yeah, well, and teach our kids to celebrate differences rather than hide them. Yeah. You know, I think that's what we're doing when we say, well, we just don't see color, we see people. But at that point, you're not celebrating that we are all different, that everybody has been made with unique features and, and background and cultures and languages and, you know, teaching our kids that those are things to be celebrated and mm-hmm. It takes out the fear because a lot of them are just fear and an unwillingness to understand people that are unlike ourselves. I think you're right in what they play with and what they watch and what they read. And it is hard to find, but make it an intentional thing to seek them out and say, these are the things that we're going to invest in and to, to change the 
the culture around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely can tell, and I'm so thankful for that, that there has been an improvement, maybe even a momentum of sorts among our culture. And I think it honestly has come from parents mm-hmm. and from the wide reception that changes in toys and play and kids things have experienced in just the nearly decade that I've been a parent like it literally was next to impossible Mm -hmm. for me to find like a good quality baby doll but still when you like put it side to side the choices that a white girl would have compared to what a person of color would have is significantly different and then what what about for you like what about finding Asian representation in play in books in stories how many lead characters like are there yeah very few yeah and and so the Asian community or the Native American community Mm -hmm. the Middle Eastern community is even less represented I really do see parents caring more about that and I hope even after you hear this that you'll have ideas about ways that you can implement in your family and that you can care about it too. Yeah, and start having those discussions and sharing those ideas. So another way to talk about diversity with your kids, um, to teach them about it, is to look at their their surroundings. Um, and I think you're probably picking up on that a lot of the teaching that I do about diversity is indirect. Yeah. Right? It, it, it's indirect teaching. Yeah. Um, and so I have had to navigate, particularly through the school system, some interesting situations. I don't know if you know, but you can buy really high-quality construction paper from Amazon that has a variety of skin tones. I also have some very favorite skin color crayons from Lakeshore that I love. And nearly, well, I will say nearly, how about every teacher we've ever had gets several packs of those, mm-hmm. um, which is another way. We even have these at home, right? That's another way to teach your children that one skin color is mm-hmm. not the right one or the normal one. Like, yeah. look at how many different ways a beautiful skin color can be. We've run into that with my girls. Their skin is uh, darker brown. You know, they have to they have to do things where they draw their own faces and things. In her struggling to find a crayon that matches her skin tone, even for her being an Asian American, it's difficult to find things that she can relate to because they're just not easily come by and it's not something that's thought about in the school system. And so I love that you went ahead and just said, well, here, as part of my contribution, because we all buy school supplies, I'm going to go ahead and include these and just make it easy. I don't think it's necessarily something that maybe the teacher is against. It's just that they haven't thought about it. Yeah, for sure. Because it's been done one way for so long. Mm. But it can't be that way anymore. We see the damage that it's done. I think for me that comes back to this recognition of of privilege. And I know that that word is so divisive and has become almost like a yucky word in today's, um, especially politics. But I think that we need to understand what privilege is and how to talk to our children about it so that things change in the future. Just that recognition of, you know, for you and I, Emily, like, 
growing up in a world where we could play with any doll that looked like us and be any Disney princess we wanted. That's a privilege. It is. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's not something that, you know, we have chosen for ourselves. But it's also something that we have to be aware that other people didn't didn't get that advantage. They didn't have, you know, the mm-hmm. joy of just walking into Walmart and picking a doll off the shelf that looks like them. And that that's something that was sweet and good and we should fight so that everybody has that right. option. That's been kind of my big realization in talking to my daughter as she encounters just all different types of people, but also in raising her as an Asian American in embracing her own culture and her own differences and being able to celebrate those and celebrate the people around her. Yeah. I mean, definitely at the end of the day, we are advocating for white girls to no longer have white dolls, right? Mm -hmm. What we're really advocating for, or I should say I'm advocating for, would be two things. One is that there be as many options for skin color as there are currently options for white dolls, Mm -hmm. right? That, That it's an equal offering of options. That's the first thing. The second thing is that embracing lots of good things that come from when we as parents provide a diverse playground for our Mm -hmm. kids. It makes a difference. Mm -hmm. It equalizes people to our kids in a very indirect way through play because kids learn so many things through play. And they can learn some social things like Civil civil rights of people things through play yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have loved discussing this with you, but we also have input from other moms on how we can teach our kids about diversity. My children are biracial, and that has really colored how we handle the topic of race in our family. We try to approach it as we would any topic that is hard for children to understand and speak to them about it in an age-appropriate manner, especially as situations arise. Like when my three-year-old was told by a friend at school that he couldn't use the peach crown to draw himself because his skin was brown. So we talk about things as they come up. We talk about the people that we know, and we just kind of let situations dictate it, including our own example, and highlight the lessons that we want them to learn. Another really important thing that we have done is to choose to raise our children in a very diverse community. They attend a school, the church that we go to, um, the Y where they play sports. It is all chosen specifically to expose our kids to people who look like them and to people who look different from them so that they can see all the people in the world and get to know them more and know their stories. I think that that's really the most important thing we have done for our kids. We are raising them in the same community that my husband and I were raised in. And that ended up with our interracial marriage. So I think that that is probably the number one thing that we have done. And that is something so subtle. And yet it colors every single portion of our lives. And it really changes their understanding about race. I'm Luann. I'm a mother of three, and I teach our girls about diversity by learning about other cultures. 
You can find out so many neat and special things about people by what they celebrate, the foods that they eat, the clothes that they wear. But you also, when you study other cultures, find that so many things are the same. Kids make up the same kind of games. They have fun laughing about the same kinds of things, whether their language or skin color or anything else is different. Kids are kids all over the world, and that's what we teach our kids. A few years ago, I realized that I hadn't really done enough to teach my kids about racism and about being anti-racist. I had talked to them about race, and we had briefly discussed significant moments in our country's history related to race, and I had taught my kids to be kind to everyone, but talking to kids about race isn't enough to end racism. I learned that that lesson when I took my oldest son to the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis for his 15th birthday. It's not enough to just talk to them about race. We have to be actively anti-racist. We have to call it out in ourselves and in our kids when we see it, and that's hard sometimes. We have to act against it when we witness it, like at the grocery store when we're out running errands or at school. We have to teach awareness and give our kids examples of racist policies in our government and in our day-to-day lives, and we have to do this over and over again. We have to model anti-racist behavior for our kids as often as we can. Only then might it become internalized in them. Hi, my name is Heather. My kids are 20, 18, and 15. Because my husband and I both grew up in really integrated settings, it's been important to us to raise our children with um, some basic understanding of the history of racism in America um, and what it is to appreciate the different experiences that people have simply because of their race. One intentional thing and simple thing that we've done since they were little is take Martin Luther King Day as a time that they watch the I Have a Dream speech, as well as his I've Been to the Mountain um, sermon, which was his last sermon. And after watching those, we've explained to them um, how recently this has been in America's history, the civil rights movement. Um, We've explained to them the experience that um, we've had and that their grandparents had regarding segregation and racism, um, just as a tiny little way of trying to help our kids appreciate the context of how our culture has treated people of different backgrounds. We want them to um, understand where people might be coming from or at least have the basic knowledge to know that they can't know everything that somebody else is experiencing or feeling but they should try to listen to it. Don't forget to check out today's sponsor, the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. You can find information on our Facebook page or in our show notes. Come join the fun at their upcoming event, Kids Gone Wild, happening January 26th. As always, visit fortworth.citymomsblog.com to see the notes from this show including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And just one more time, in case you didn't hear, it's fortworth.citymomsblog.com. Fort Worth Mom's Blog.